Hi, Soila. Hi, Allie. <laughs> Do you remember when we met? I think. I know that it was some kind of music event. Was it in Miami? It was in Miami. Yeah. It was for Hispanicize. Oh, my gosh. A relic. Were we on a panel together? I'm still trying to figure this out. You know what? Somebody just recently sent me a photo of me on a panel from Hispanicize, and I think it might have been the one that I met you on. You know what's so funny? Because you know how they're bringing, like, Snapchat back? So I was looking through, like, my old snaps. Yeah. And I feel like I saw the panel, like, briefly. Like, I was like, oh, man, I remember Miami. Things were so simple. So simple. <laughs> like, so simple. So simple. So that's how we met. You were heavy in the music industry. I do remember I was, that. I was. I went hard for independent Latino artists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was a very, very special and traumatic time of my life. Really dramatic? <laughs> yeah, it was like a lot. I feel like know? when people are in the music industry, there's like this love-hate that happens. Oh, my gosh. It's like you want to get out, but you're like, oh, but I love it so much. Like, there's so much passion there. Yeah. I it, felt like there was passion for you, though. Behind all of it, I still feel like you were going yeah. hard. But I, I was trying to figure out, I'm like... Is she going hard be- for the potential of the artist? Is she going hard for the culture of the music? Like, yeah. what was it for you about the music industry that you love so much? Well, I grew up in the music business. Mm-hmm. Both of my parents are musicians. Um, you know, they met playing music together in Madrid, Spain, where I was born. Mm-hmm. My mom played with Celia Cruz when she was pregnant with me. Legendary. So I am like, Legendary. you know, my f- feet two feet firmly rooted in the power of music and Mm -hmm. the power to connect people through sound and to teach lessons Mm -hmm. through music. Um, Music is like a, it's like a historical recorder of everything that's happened in in history, Mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes I'm like, we're still singing about this? Yeah, because it's still happening. Yeah. yeah. Um, But I started working in music when I was super young. Like, I used to do the door for my parents. They would would do these shows at the... um, Brooklyn Conservatory, these jazz shows that they were in a big band. Mm-hmm. I started doing the door, I think, when I was like five. I was at my all my mom's God. shows at the at rehearsals with her, two chairs like put together, taking naps in the studio. Mm-hmm. So I'm a child of that industry. You know, you know, I grew up with Aventura, Romeo Santos in my house. You know, crazy. Um, and crazy. so yeah, crazy, and so <laughs> so amazing. So when I went to go work for Mayimba Music, my my family's um, label and mm-hmm. publishing company, award-winning, started by my mom, Marty Cuevas, mm-hmm. it was very personal for me. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, being of Afro-Latina descent and knowing mm-hmm. that a lot of the rhythms that we speak to as Latino come from African you know, history and African cultures, I was kind of like, where are we? Yeah. Visibly, where are we? Yeah. And, um, you know, it's always challenging to work and to to, to champion for the underdog. You yeah. know, it's like being a Mets fan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, but there's a lot to unpack there. Um, one, there's a couple of components, right? Yeah. So you worked with your mom. Oh God, the mob, I like to call it. Like that's... Yeah. Working with the family is working like the with mob. the family. Out of the family. That is like... <laughs> That's how was that? It was illuminating. I would say that I had to teach myself a lot because when you start a company and you build different parts of that company, 
the people that start those departments mm-hmm. um, kind of have to build, like, you have to build the best practices. You have to build the blueprint for what this is going to look like for that particular brand, for that company. And I was super young, and my mom was like, yeah, go ahead, do it. And so I was. it was a lot of learning, a lot of teaching myself. Um, and uh, it was a challenge, and I felt helpless very often. But I will tell you, the first time I went to one of the many music summits and events that I would go to in Miami, I started to um, connect with other women in the music business, mm-hmm. other Latinas. And that's really where I found my voice, right? Mm-hmm. It was looking at these other women that were in corporate because we were indie. So it's mm-hmm. but we need each other, right? Right. Um, and 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 communing with them and speaking truth to our power, right, together and laughing and creating really long-term friendships that some of them I still have today. Yeah. yeah. That's where I found my power, right? Mm-hmm. And so it became so much more than even just about the music. It became like being a person that's able to come and step into a room where you've been told that you probably shouldn't be there mm-hmm. and then saying, I'm going to come here and I'm going to take up space and you're going to hear me whether you like it or not. I mean, I've been removed from clubs before. <laughs> you were a little rebel. I was a woman in a male-dominated space that didn't want me to be there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't have a corporate boss to answer to. So I was like, I'm going to say whatever I want to say. Um, but where does that come from? Because I, for me growing up, yeah. I always felt like um, even if I wanted to have an opinion, I just felt like it, I just I wasn't allowed that space to have an opinion. I didn't grow up with, you know, uh, like my mom would just kind of be like, just this is what it is. Like, even if I asked her, but why? She would be like, because this is what I said. <laughs> right. So, there's no. So I wonder for you, like that family dynamic. It seems like they kind of gave you the freedom to have my mom, that opinion. My mom gave me that freedom. Um, she encouraged it. Mm-hmm. She, My mom is a white Jewish woman from the Bay mm-hmm. who marched in the civil rights movement and chose to be on the side of the outlier always. Mm-hmm. And so I was raised radical. I was mm-hmm. raised to speak for those that... Not that that don't have a voice, because I really hate when people say that. Everybody Mm -hmm. has a voice, but for those who aren't given a platform to speak. Mm. And so I spent a lot of my life doing that, but at the same time neglecting what I needed. Mm -hmm. You can't show up for everybody all the time, especially if you're not showing up for yourself. So those were some lessons that I had to learn as a young woman, you know, Mm -hmm. but I do not regret standing up to men ever. (laughs) Because y'all need to be told about yourselves. Um, But yeah, I think my rebel energy comes from a long line of women on both sides of my family. I'm Panamanian Jamaican and I'm Ashkenazi Jew. Mm -hmm. People that have been fleeing war, persecution on both sides of my family. Mm -hmm. That's where my rebel energy, it's in my bloodline. Um, And I think one of the biggest lessons in my life that I'm probably going to learn for a long time is how to alchemize that into something that is really, really effective for myself mm-hmm. and for my community or my kids or whoever it is. And, you know, I'm learning every single day. And sometimes the things that the decisions I make are are the right decision. And sometimes right. the decisions I make are the lessons that I have to learn. Mm-hmm. And I'm totally okay with that. Right. I have no issues with messing up. I love that. You know, I love that. Tell me, Zoila, what do I have to 
understand about your earliest years to really understand the woman that you are today? Oh, wow. That's a big question, Allie. <laughs> um, I think, like, you know, speaking as far back as I can, right, mm -hmm. which is probably, like, five years old, mm -hmm. I don't, you know, I, I don't know what was really good. I, I can I have stories, but from what I personally remember, um, I was raised by a single mom mm -hmm. who was working her butt off, and I was left to my own devices quite often. Thankfully, mm -hmm. I have a really strong brain and make pretty good decisions. I've made some questionable ones as a young yeah. woman, but for the <laughs> most part, do, I'm doing do. fine. I'm right here yeah, with you. I'm yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I think to understand Zoila is to know that I have, by proxy of a very hardworking, loving person who was doing their best, I was really left to fend for myself, you know? And mm -hmm. so today I try to not be that person. And it's right. really challenging because that means I have to ask for help all the time. And if you're, if you know anybody that's like a recovering perfectionist yeah. uh -huh. or control freak, whichever one you want to call <laughs> right. it, asking for help means that you have to put your faith in somebody else. And it's so hard to do that when you felt for so long like you're the, you know, you have to do it. Right. Um, but I'm really proud of myself for the growth that I have had, especially as a mother. Like, mm -hmm. well, I was going to ask you, what being, has that even uh, taught you? Because now you're playing the opposite side. I just feel blessed as a mom. Yeah. My kids are amazing. They're healthy. They're smart. They're rebellious, which is a sign of a very healthy child. Mm -hmm. And I have an incredible partner mm -hmm. that will ride for me and ride for our kids. And we work together and we, and we parent together and we're married and we do bills together and we're like all those things. And that's something I didn't grow up seeing. Mm -hmm. And so I already know from there that I'm breaking the cycle. Right. Right. Was that something that was intentional prior to you? Like when you were pregnant, did you say, when I have my kid and this baby comes out, this I mean, is how I'm going to raise them? Yeah. My husband and me, Zach and me, have been together since we were 22. I'm 38. So it's been Love 16 that. years. Mm -hmm. And we've had, a, you know, a very long and beautiful companionship mm -hmm. with its struggles, of course, as anybody who has spent 16 years with somebody living in the same house. Yeah. Um, but I made it very clear, mm -hmm. and this is my rebellious, you could call it rebellious or you could call it somebody that knows what they want and they're not willing to compromise. I made it very clear from the day we started dating, this is an equal opportunity home mm -hmm. and will always be. Where does that strength come from? I have no idea. No, my mom. It's <laughs> my mom. And like, I think it comes it from. It sounds like you, you, like, from early on, you've been knowing your worth. You've been, like, you, you know your value as a person. Like, I was you know. told that I was a king in my past life. And I, like I don't know if that has anything to do with it. Mm -hmm. But I do exhibit a strong what you would consider masculine energy when it comes to like what I'm willing to um take and what I'm not willing to take like mm -hmm. I will say no um but I do think a lot of it has come from watching and deciding I'm not gonna do that yeah so yeah. to not do that I'm gonna do this right um you and know was that like 
an understanding within with you and your partner? Like, did he? Yeah. Was he totally accepting of that? Yeah, we both come from broken homes, okay. right? Like, we both come from divorced families, mm-hmm. and we've always made it very clear that you know, marriage is something that is we take very seriously, mm-hmm. but we also know that love is not enough. Marriage is a business arrangement as well. Mm-hmm. It's an agreement between two people to show up and treat each other with respect and understand that you're going to be here and I might be here and vice versa, right. but we always have to meet here, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so... That's good. <laughs> that, that's really good. I have a lot of things to say about relationships, you know? I feel like I have some skin in the game, Um but I think at the end of the day, it's a mutual respect and 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 a want to see your partner be the best that they can be, but also understand that some days they're going to have to lay down mm-hmm. and you need to let them lay down, right? And then mm. be there for them when they're ready to stand up. Um, what has your marriage taught you? <sighs> My marriage has taught me that humor <laughs> is very important in any type of relationship. Laughing is the best medicine. Oh my gosh. (laughs) They do say that. But my marriage has taught me patience, Mm -hmm. the most patience. And my kids are now also reinforcing that patience. Oh yeah, kids will do that. Sometimes. They test your patience. Girl, just this morning, (laughs) I was like, can we, God deliver me from this. Um, No, marriage has taught me a lot about patience. It's taught me... That I'm going to repeat this, you know, to, to be in a relationship with a person, whether it is a friendship or romantic, mm-hmm. it means that you need to have a vested interest in the growth of that person and be willing to be an accomplice, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we can show up for our, the people that we love in various ways, Um, it doesn't mean like I need to be on the phone with you every single night if I'm going to be your best friend, right? Right. But it does mean that if you call me and you're having a hard time, like I'm the type of friend that will get on a plane and come to you, right? Like I'll just, like we could have been fighting for the last two years. If you call me and you're like, Z, like I'm in trouble, I'll come. Yeah. Um, And Zach and me have that relationship, like, we get over fights very quickly. It's not to say that That's we don't it. hold grudges. Right. <laughs> We're and married. And, and, okay. I'm, and I'm the type where I can't go to bed nah. until we resolve no, the no, issue. No, 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 no. We don't go to bed angry. But but I also feel like there's like a flip side too, right? right. Like there's sometimes where I'll go through, you know, so like some issues and, and I'm just like, you know what? Before I react to it, let me just sleep this one out. I mean, mm-hmm. let me take a nap. Let me wake up. Let me see if I feel different about you. Yeah. I like sometimes so I have we, that energy. What we teach our five year old, practice the pause. I like that. Right? Practice the pause. Think, then speak. And for five year olds, never use your hands because <laughs> sometimes they'll be like, ah, you know? Um, yeah, we gotta practice the pause. And that's and that again is patience, right? Because our our willingness to react mm-hmm. without thinking through things through is that need to ex, ex like exert yourself right, right. And, and like puff up and that ego mm-hmm. um and i think being a woman of color unfortunately this world it it instills an ego in us that i wish that we never had to hold mm-hmm. 
right? I yeah. really wish that we didn't have yeah. to. So, yeah. so we're working through that in real time every single day and letting our guard down, right? Mm-hmm. And it's funny, like, <laughs> it took me a long time to learn how to ask for help. And now in motherhood and as a business owner, I ask for help from my yeah. husband specifically all the time. He does not ask for help. He will just expect me to, like, think, like, to, like, step in. And most mm-hmm. of the time I do, but sometimes I don't because I have taught myself to ask for help. So I'm like, if he needs help right now, he'll ask for it. Uh, and okay. yeah. so uh, and a conflict that has been has happened before is, like, you know, me asking for help and then feeling like maybe I'm bothering somebody or bothering him. And then in my head, I'm like, do you know how hard it was for me to ask for this help? It was so yeah. hard. And now I feel like I'm bothering you, right? And But when yeah. we have to keep telling ourselves, like, it doesn't matter. That is just a project. That's You're projecting your own on them and yeah. vice versa. Mm-hmm. And when we can start to realize that, like, feelings are not facts, mm-hmm. that's when we really start to have those deep, long-term relationships that can really transform you as a person, right? And and transform the world because mm-hmm. we want healthy people to have healthy babies mm-hmm. and, and have healthy, mentally healthy children mm-hmm. because that is what we need in this world. I read something that said that if every five-year-old learned how to meditate, we would literally have world peace because that is how That's we a, build yeah. humans that understand how to manage and work with other humans but that also has to start from now because if you think about how we grew up you know i come from divorced parents as well um and i come from you know my mom was literally arguing with my dad the entire time she was pregnant with me you know and that's a fact um and i think growing up i was so angry like i was just like Mm -hmm. this angry person all the time like i would be with a face like you know that resting face that was me at five like all the time and it wasn't until I got older that I'm like why like why am I mad like I, I, got, get, I get to get up I have another fine. chance right, right, right I'm breathing air like what the hell am I so upset about so I think culturally yeah. it's it's instilled within us I feel like as a, a, a culture we just have grown up with so much I don't want to say hostility because that's not for every uh household but not every not everybody grew up with parents that said you're wonderful you're so great keep going keep pushing most of us didn't we didn't have affirmations we didn't have Mm -hmm. grace we didn't have all those words that we're hearing today we didn't have that yeah we didn't even have therapists you know what i'm saying i don't think and our parents (laughs) had less than what we had right and that's something that i also like have drilled into myself and whenever I talk to friends who have inner conflict with their own moms specifically mm-hmm. you know I'm like listen you don't have to have a relationship with your mother or your father if it does not feel in alignment with you right right but for your own health and the and the future of your family or your, the people that are around you mm-hmm. it's really important to just forgive yeah because at the end of the day we're all showing up with so much trauma um, compounded with the world, you know, and what's already running in our blood. And everybody really is doing their 
best, mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. when they're doing the worst, right? Um, and it's just such a, it's so challenging. Like we've, as a people in period, all over the world have have experienced so much. Mm-hmm. And I think the ongoing conversations about what general generational trauma actually means, that it actually lives in the bloodstream, like it's genetic, mm-hmm. is something that needs to be continued to talk about because you know when you'll be in a situation and you react and you're like, why the f- am I reacting like yeah. this? I don't understand like yeah. why I feel this way. Mm-hmm. You can probably go back into your lineage and find something that happened to a grandmother, a great grandmother, or your I think it's like they say like seven, eight generations back. Mm-hmm. And that could be still running in your blood because the cycle was never stopped, right? And we're just we're all just trying to make it, right? Mm-hmm. Um I had a therapist that once told me life is eighty percent suffering, twenty percent joy. And I was like, you know what? Listen, I, I was actually <laughs> I was reading the newspaper and it said that there's like a study that shows that you are the happiest from the moment that you are born to you're two years old. And I'm like, oh yeah. What? Because you got nothing going on. Because you there. got nothing going on. So I'm like There's nothing to inform the darkness <laughs> yes. around you. Yes. So I'm like, wow, like two years old. But you know what I like about you the most? You're not, to me, and I don't know, maybe I could be wrong, you know, correct me. But I never got the feeling that you were a complainer, meaning that if anything that you felt wasn't right, you created that space for yourself. Mm -hmm. And I feel like we see that with your business. Like you were the person that was like, "Mm, there's a void here that needs to be filled. Let me just... Let me go this route. Yeah. So I wonder if was, again, I could be wrong, but was that the start of your business? Was that where the, from inception of like how you were thinking, hey, this is what I want to do. I'm not getting invited yeah. in such and such room. So I'm just going to create this agency for myself. You know, I think it's two things. And I'll go back to this, my rebel energy. I've never liked authority. <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> I can see that in you. I'm like, I, I, you know, so, so from a young age, and I've been working since I was a kid. I had, I think I got my first job when I was 12. And if you don't count my mom, you know, bringing me to the office and having me freaking file paperwork from the age of like eight. I sort of filing paperwork. I remember her boss, Bill Kreselowski was like, oh, she knows the alphabet. Good. She can file. (laughs) He's like this amazing um, uh, intellectual property attorney. But so, yeah, so I think there's that piece, right? Like I was always just kind of like, eh, I don't really want to be in that system. Um, I want to create my own. Mm-hmm. And so I did that always. I've always done that. I've always been like, oh, what's... And, and I think it's also like I, I'm, I'm, a two, I'm, a, I'm, I'm saying that it's because I'm a rebel, but I'm also just a very creative person. Yeah. I have a lot in me, a lot of ideas. You know, I'm going to live a thousand different lives. I mm-hmm. know it through my career. I already yeah. know. Yeah. Like this, is, I'm just getting started, y'all. Yeah, she's so like, I'm not done yet. Keep your eye out. But <laughs> so there's that. And then, yeah, um, believing that there is something better or more or another way to do things mm-hmm. is some. Is it, it's a, th- a thread, a through line that I've always carried with me from when I was a young kid. And I really think it has a lot to do with whatever past lives I have lived because I know I'm very old. 
um, like in soul. I, I was gonna say that. Do you feel like you have an old soul? Oh yeah. Yeah. Old. I be seeing people and I'm like, I'm like, I already met you. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. like I know. So I think there's just it's just inherent in me to want to create something that I feel is missing mm-hmm. and and to believe that I can. Mm-hmm. And I say that to, you know, I have so many mentees who are afraid and or they want like recognition right away or all of these different things that come with being a creator. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, you have to remember your why. I was just having a conversation with a mentee the other day and she's incredible and she's also a kid of the industry. Mm-hmm. She comes from a powerhouse entertainment family and I was like, listen, you know, you can't look at your peers the same way that you look at yourself. The way that they move in this industry looking for accolades and that's yeah. their in. Mm-hmm. You've already done all of this. You had, you know, you have acts you can't, and and I was I said to her I said well, what I was like what is your version of success here mm-hmm. and you need to really create that measurement for yourself she's only 24 I was like yeah. and I'm like when I was 24 I was not doing this <laughs> yeah, so yeah. you're already way yeah, up like here you're ahead of the game. but yeah. I'm like you need to allow yourself to understand and stick to what your measure of success is for you what is your why mm-hmm. that you do anything right um, because if you don't have that, you will stray and you will be like, why am I not on this list? And, yeah. da, 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 and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, but what is your measure of success? Are you creating community? Are you touching people's lives? Are you making money? Like, mm-hmm. what is it that you want to get out of what you're doing? Right. And never forget that because it's hard to create something new. Yeah. It's scary and you're putting yourself out there. And especially for folks of color, mm-hmm. no one is waiting in the in, in the wings to invest in our companies. Right. Right. It's, right. you know, and, and this is why we see this identity at play that happens within communities of color because we're leaning so heavily on each other to support us because that's what we feel we have. Mm-hmm. And I employ people, employ people to question that. Mm-hmm. We have each other and more. Right. Our right. products, our brands, our services are not just for us. They're for us and more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? Because we deserve to exist outside of the binary mm-hmm. of our cultural identities. You know? It's, it's interesting, though, because I feel like when I created my event planning company, it came from frustration. That's yep. where it stemmed from for me because I wasn't getting invited to any industry events. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't, at the time I was on radio with, uh dj sus one so he's you know a great hip-hop dj um and he was always getting the invitation and he would invite me and i'm like i'm like why am i not getting a seat Mm -hmm, at the table mm -hmm. and and i was like you know what i i'm gonna create my own events and like people are gonna come to my events and that's what i did but it came out of like okay i'm not getting an invitation yeah like what makes him and Again, I have so much love for him, so it had nothing to do with that. But, like, why wasn't there a seat for me at the table? What was I missing was really what I was asking myself. Like, am I not enough type Mm. of energy? That's where it came from. But that was your ability to question the binary, right? To uh, to question 
why is there only space for certain types of people? And exactly. I can relate to that, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, I, to speak to the overall like macro concept of why I start my own things. Yes, it has to do with the fact that I have an issue with some authority and like to like, I like to see new things come mm -hmm. to life. But with Word, my agency specifically, it was similarly born out of frustration and anxiety and stress. It was a moment in my life, you know, I had a really insanely like Hollywood job. Yeah in LA, you know, managing who was supposed to be the next big star. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And that all went to And, you know, after seeing the inner workings, cause I was like, oh, okay, when I, when I got that job, I was like, oh my God, like, this is what all, this is what it's all been for. Right, all roles lead all to the this. banging yeah. on doors and saying, see me, see me, see my people. Cause she was Afro Latina, the girl mm -hmm. I was managing. I was, yeah. I was like, so excited. Mm -hmm. But then to see how all of that was handled and to understand like the inner workings of that side of the music business, mm -hmm. Hollywood, all that stuff, it only confirmed what I already knew, right? And so... What when, did you know at that moment? That we're all just pawns, mm. right? And there's people that are going to be pulling the strings and things have changed a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, but at that time, that was very much the height of like the before we started to see some of the things that we're seeing now in the music industry where the, the you know, the level of executive is changing and we have more young black and brown people or just black and brown people, period, in positions of power is very much yeah. like the folks in power were very specific types of people in power. Mm -hmm. well, um, let me, before you yeah. get there, I just want to ask you, did, did you ever feel at any moment that you couldn't be authentic within the music industry? Did you feel like you had to code switch at any moment? Um, I don't know what how to code switch. Mm. I think, I mean, I, I do know how to code switch, but I don't. Right. Right. I, I speak in my language. Mm -hmm. And my language is that of a Black Latina Jew that grew up in El Barrio. Mm -hmm. And I've always hung out with people that have never asked me to code switch. So mm -hmm. I can go back and forth from whoever I am. It doesn't feel like code switching right. for me. Um, I will say that as the landscape of executive changes mm -hmm. and like when I'm in these meetings with my corporate brands and stuff like that, it definitely feels more comfortable to be me. Mm -hmm. But I don't. I would not go as far as to say I've ever changed who I am right. to be in a room. And maybe that's one of the reasons why I've been frustrated <laughs> for so long. Yeah, yeah. But I have to go to bed with me, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. I'm the one that has to go to bed knowing what I did or what I didn't give up for, for, for me. So I'm okay with it. Yeah. You know, I've missed a lot of rooms because of who I am. Mm -hmm. But I'm not mad about it. Um, well, they weren't the rooms for you. You know, I don't want to like, be in there anyway. Yeah, like they weren't. <laughs> no, when I say they weren't the rooms for yeah. you, it's like you don't. They're not. That's not. It yeah, fake. exactly. Like you they're not for me. Exactly. Like, like I, if if I can't be myself in a room, I do not want to be in that room. Exactly. Um, and and that's just me. I have no hate on anybody that is going to code switch or feel like they have to show up differently in a room. Mm -hmm. If that's what you need to do to to do what's right for you, I want you to do that because yeah. you need to do. But my job is to try to change so that you never have to show up unlike yourself in a room.
Right. Can you tell um, tell the listeners what? Because I love this. What your uh, what word stands so, for? <laughs> I love it. Word stands for we open real doors. There you go. Um, there you go. And it is, it's a creative agency that's really rooted in. Um, working with people and brands that want to change the world by creating more space for underrepresented voices, right? Historically marginalized peoples. And that can be anything from women to people of color, right? Mm -hmm. LGBTQ folks. Um, I think there's so many of us now doing this work and I love it Mm -hmm. because I will tell you when I started Word almost seven years ago, there were DNI teams within corporate America, but there weren't a lot of agencies, creative agencies doing the kind of work because it was so niche. Yeah. Um, and I really had to push hard to um, uh, to advocate for the type of events and 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 content that I wanted to see on social media because what did you want to see? I wanted to see something that was real. Mm. Um, I remember my first major campaign. It was with Foot Locker. It was major for me, right? It was it was local. Yeah. It was regional, but um, it was for Foot Action. Actually, it was, mm-hmm. it was it was it was so the budget was like nothing. It was if I told you the budget, you'd cry. Oh, but it was major for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. And I was very adamant in how we wanted to tell the stories, and I was like, look, we're selling sneakers. It's Women's History Month. Where are the actual physical women? Mm-hmm. Why aren't we talking to them? This was back in 2018, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what we did. And I look at that content now. It was like a mini documentary, and it was very low budget. Yeah. <laughs> well, you made it do what it do. But yes, yeah. I did. <laughs> but the subject matter is so important because to me, it felt like one of the first or... Uh, one of the first times where you saw a group of women talking about sneaker culture together. Right. There were always people talking about what sneaker culture meant for women, but mm-hmm. nobody was actually talking to women from on like a grander scale from a, a large brand perspective about that. And now look what we're seeing. Like, you know, it's really important that the voices of the people are heard when you're talking about them. I mean, that's only the obvious, no? It wasn't the obvious to them? You know, I don't know. You know, I don't know. Because for years and years, we've had white people behind campaigns created for black people and so and so and so. And it's like, we're talking, you have proof of concept right here. Yeah. Yeah. Bring now, them was in. This, was this for all brands that you work or for most? Like, what did you see this? Um, all, like, what was that for? This was you worked with a lot of brands. I worked with a lot of brands. I mean, from there was a ripple effect, right? Okay. And we started getting known for the type of work that we were doing, and um, and now it's just blown up, and we're not even like a, a we're like a drop in the in the ocean now that of this the, this type of work, and I'm fine with that because yeah. that's the point. It's we open real doors. I want other people to come in and do this stuff. Can you just um. List some of the the brands that you've worked with. Just yeah. So that oh my gosh. Because um, I think your work is really amazing. People thank need to you. know. People really need to know. Oh yeah. 
You know, you just do the work. You don't even think about it. Yeah, but um, I don't want people to sleep on you on this show. So I want yeah, you Yeah, so we've had the opportunity to work with, like I said, Foot Action and Foot Locker. We've worked with Absolutely. Nike. We've worked with Converse. We've worked with HBO, Meta, like the LA Philharmonic, like, you know, iHeartRadio, so many different Selena legacy place. brands. Yeah. And I was going to say, <laughs> and my my most recent and most favorite campaign was Hispanic Heritage Month or Latinx, whatever. Don't eat me alive, guys. Month um, last year um, for Rare Beauty. Which is Selena and Gomez's brand. Selena Gomez's brand, and we got to shoot her. I got to direct Selena Gomez. It was like so. so she exciting. was like the cutest thing. Yeah. It was her birthday, the day we shot. So oh we brought a cake, a cake out, and that campaign was so fun to do because. Katie Welsh, she's going to get mad because she hates when I call her out, but she's amazing. The CMO of Rare Beauty, she reached out and... Like, how does she even hear about I him? have no idea. To this day, I, <laughs> I, I still don't really... I, she said she saw my work. So and good. she reached so out and was like... We had a call and I was like, oh my God. And I remember I was sitting outside of a restaurant in LA. So and I was like nervous because like the uh, the internet was not great. Like, it was a little shaky. And I was like, I'm going to ruin this moment. Yeah, and she yeah. was so great. And her team, Josh, like, they were so awesome. And she was like, yeah, we want to do this campaign for Latinx Heritage Month. Like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I was like, oh, you don't have, like, you just want me to, like, do it? You want me to, like, make it? <laughs> yeah, like, you want me like, to, like, I take you want me to, like make it up? Yeah. Like, me? Because, like, that's what I do. But yeah. you don't expect brands to just hand you the reins. And, you know, she said, this is your month. You're talking about your people. I want the full perspective to come from from somebody that understands it. Mm -hmm. And I just, I took that and ran and everything, almost everything in that campaign was touched by somebody from our community. You I love know? that campaign, by the way. Oh, it was gosh. beautifully shot. Thank you. No, Natalia like, Mascoso, my girl, it was she like, shot that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It was a wow. we shot that in one day. It was crazy. So we good. had nine principals, so ten including Selena Gomez. All of them spoke on camera and gave these uh, robust, beautiful interviews about what it means to be Latina, to be Latinx, and and what I loved the most about it was that these Gen Z voices spoke about who they really are mm -hmm. because that was the purpose of the campaign. It was to speak to showcase what we who we are from our voices mm -hmm. no script you yeah. know no just questions and and some real. people answered things that were very much connected to you know the latinx community like being like food and culture and those things and then some people were like to me being latinx means to be like big right to mm -hmm. be to to be brave or whatever these indicators that they were using to express who they were mm -hmm. um because again like we do not exist in the binary of just our culture mm -hmm. right it's part of us but it's not the only thing that we are yeah. and that's why the campaign was what are you made of right i am made of all of these things of my community you know salma she said i'm made of the land she's an indigenous woman like it was so beautiful they were all dressed in latinx designers mm -hmm. Brandon Ruiz, who was our stylist with their team, they were incredible. You I mean, know? such a timeless piece. Like, that piece Thank will you. live on. 
I hope so. Yeah. It was on a bill. It was a, our first no, billboard. It was, it was amazing. It was like a dream come true. And mm-hmm. I want to see that kind of work reflected everywhere. I just think that brands are afraid to um, allow people that haven't worked within their binaries of the industry to take control. Mm-hmm. And then that means that we have to start to question the rules that are in place. Mm-hmm. Because what are those rules really doing? Right. They're keeping people out. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so as we lift this veil collectively, like we need to really start questioning these rules that we that that exist. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what does it look like to climb up a ladder? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you like I know people that think that young people should 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 suffered the way that we did. Like I worked for free for so long Mm -hmm. and I would, we were abused. Like if you worked in fashion and music as a young person back in the day, Mm -hmm. we were abused. I don't want that for younger people. I want to be able to sit with you and Mm -hmm. say, here are the lessons I learned. Please take these. Mm -hmm. Right. Because we're here to open doors. We're not, why why do we want to make things more challenging for people? Um, I think, see, I can agree to that to a certain extent, but I'll yeah. tell you something. I, I, yes, I come from that same background as yeah. well, where I worked for free. Not to say that anyone should work for free, right, right, because right. no, that's not the conversation. But it does something to me when I feel like people are not pushing. Like when I see the younger generation and they don't yeah. push, I'm like... Man, some of the jobs that I've had, I created those jobs for myself. Right, right. It wasn't right. like someone well, get you know what I'm saying? Like yes. I created it. The role <laughs> yes. didn't even exist before me. So that's yeah. so the frustration too comes from that. Like it's like, you know, again, yes, know your value, know your worth, charge what exactly right. what and then charge more. Well, I don't than necessarily some. agree with you. Well no, <laughs> charge I charge whatever you want. <laughs> no, I, I feel no, because sometimes I do feel like we don't charge enough. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I like yes. sometimes, girl. When I, I used to have jobs, and I it was time for but me I to hear get you. a raise. And I think that comes with a level of understanding and respect, yes. right? Um, I think work ethic is mm-hmm. something that is learned mm-hmm. and taught. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think, you know the level of accessibility that young people have to their to you know to the people in the positions that they want to be in is I, I couldn't even imagine what it must be like to be a young person and be able to DM somebody that like you want to work with. Yeah. Do you know what it yeah, took for yeah. us? You'd have to like physically you have know to knock them. on their door. You'd have to know yeah, them. You'd have to know them. Which kept so many of us out of these Correct. rooms, right? Correct. So there is that. But I do I I I am with you when it comes to the processes, right? Yeah. And I think I think about this all the time, actually, because I, I'm I'm a mentor and and speak with a lot of young people that work for me or that I've known for a long time. Like people I've known since they were 15, they're now 22, 23 years old. And there's sometimes there is conflict because I'm like, yo, I'm gonna be here for you and I wanna help you and I'll do these things, but I also need you to understand that we are not on the same level. That's right. Mm-hmm. And that's good. Mm-hmm. Because you need people to learn from so that they right. can show you, you know, how to compound those skills. To, mm-hmm. to Because, look, it's like 
It's putting somebody in a position of power that hasn't had the experience yet. We shouldn't be doing that. That's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm saying, what I'm asking for is that we don't keep people out of rooms because they are not like us, right? Mm -hmm. Because that's what was done to us. Right. But yes, y'all need to get your experience. It's very important. Y'all need to intern. Yeah, you need to intern. You need to get your experience. And you need to also recognize that... You know, optics are not real. Mm-hmm. That's all they are. They're optics. Right. They don't equate to money. Right. They don't equate to worth. Um, and it's like what I was saying to to my met to my to my girl. Like she was talking about optics. Like, oh, they're in this, and I'm in da da da, and like whatever. And I'm like, but do you want that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because, like I was telling you earlier, I'm not on all these like Forbes lists and all these things. But what I do have is a thriving company mm-hmm. i hire people i own a house and my kids and my family are safe and they're healthy and you know what i'm good if i'm not on some forbes list mm-hmm. i'm all right it'd be nice to be on the forbes list it's, it's always nice it's that. always nice I, doesn't I, I want list. to touch on something <laughs> you actually said this in one of your stories you said success derails your purpose mm-hmm Expand on that a little bit. Oh, God. What I've been having this mean? conversation a lot with people. Because <laughs> um, that one, I was like, wow. What does that mean? I've been having this conversation a lot with people because success really does derail your purpose. Because you, when you become successful, the level of responsibility that you start to carry as a business person is unimaginable. I'm not as accessible as I used to be. And I don't have as much room in my brain as I used to to be as creative as I would like to be. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I'm not, this is like barely touching the surface of the things that I want to accomplish and I want to create. Mm-hmm. So I have been feeling, and I'm and I'm in a rebirth. I'm in a new season. Like I'm entering mm-hmm. into a new season. So now I'm reevaluating like, okay, what are the things that I'm missing, mm-hmm. which is that time to be creative, to be in my genius? Mm-hmm. Um, so what do I need to give up to to get that back? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and for folks like myself that run multi-pronged businesses mm-hmm. that, you know, we have different clients and I have my employees and all of these people that I have to answer to. There's contracts and financing and all these things. I need people to help me manage those things. That's mm-hmm. that's what's going to set me free. But those people right. cost a lot of money. So you got to kind of, you know. Yeah. But for me to get back into my purpose, I have to give up some of the comforts that I have, right? And that that is a financial shift for me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to pay somebody to do the things that I would do. I'm expensive. Right. <laughs> I'm very expensive, you know? Yes. I'm the, mo- I'm the yes. most seasoned person at my company, which means I have to hire somebody literally at my level yeah. or higher. Yeah. Right? So that I can get back into my genius. And so with that comes a level of trust in yourself mm-hmm. and trust in your path because it's really hard to let go of money. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We, yes. we love money, exactly. you know? <laughs> Oh, my God. That's a good way. I didn't think about it like that. For some reason, I took it a different way. So I'm glad that you explained it because the way I received that message was sometimes when you when you have reached a level of success, yeah. you're comfortable. And so mm. you forget the purpose. You forget why you even started. That, that can happen. You forget why yes. you even started the business. Mm-hmm. I wonder how do you keep it so creative because now you're on your second business. <sighs> Let's talk about that. 
how do I keep myself so creative? Yeah, like how well, do you keep it fresh? Girl, time. You- <laughs> Pumas took me like four years to get off the ground to launch, you know, one little product. Um, and so I have to be okay with that, right? That I'm not 35 years old or 32, whatever I was when I started the company. I'm 38. I have two mm-hmm. kids. Mm-hmm. I have a mortgage. And I mm-hmm. don't have a, a huge financial backer. Mm-hmm. So I have to be okay with the steps that I need to take to get myself where I want to go um, and and manage my expectations of myself, right? Mm-hmm. So that I don't burn out. Because that right. that's really what that the brand Pumas was bur- birthed from burnout, right? right? It was birthed from losing my auto- autonomy literally after birth. Yeah. Um, and so that's how I keep myself creative. But I have to recognize that, like, it's just going to take more time mm-hmm. now, like I'm not, I'm not as much of a spring chicken as I was, but that's mm-hmm. also beautiful because that comes with time and wisdom and all of these other beautiful things that come with aging. Yeah, yeah. I love growing up. You I know, mean, do you feel like you're embracing growing up Latina? Growing up Latina, <laughs> I used to be so afraid to get older. I used to be like, I never want to oh, get older. Girl, I can't wait to be fifty. I feel, I honestly feel like I'm in that like, era where I'm thought like, I was untouchable. Now <laughs> I'm embracing 50? it even more. Um, (laughs) you also mentioned I've had to learn a lot of things the hard way and I took a ton of losses. I'm curious Mm -hmm. to know what losses business wise have you taken? I would say this. I've done some really, um, I've made some challenging hiring choices, Mm -hmm. um, from a place of wanting to nurture Mm -hmm. when I wasn't in a place to nurture. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that cost me some things, right? Like hiring the wrong people and thinking that they can do it and putting, and, 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 and it has nothing to do with them. It was Mm -hmm. my fault, fully my fault. Right. Um, you know, so those are some of the, the bad choices and not bad choices, just my lessons. And, you know, um, I have taken some losses by speaking up. Right. And letting people know what I am and what I'm not willing to compromise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm OK with that. You know, I don't I, I feel really confident in my future. Yeah. So I'm like. Whatever the setback feels like right now, it's just opening the door for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's you know, it's mind control. Yeah. You got to keep telling yourself like you're going to be good. You're going to be good. You're going to be good. You know? That's the part that I'm doing every day, girl. I'm like, you got this. It's Keep going. You know, Keep there's an going. episode of Super Soul Sunday where, and I, I say I this, Super I must Soul say Sunday. this every single day what? where Oprah was like, you know, every day we learning things, we're learning things and God's trying to teach us. She's like, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, God, I don't want to learn today. <laughs> Please don't teach me a lesson. Can I get a break? Yeah. And that's how yeah. I feel every day. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh God, all right, all right. What's the lesson? All right, all right, all right. We're gonna what, get it. What advice would you give to someone who is kind of afraid to take that leap, but they want to? Because again, a lot of your positions came from the creation. Like you've created, mm-hmm. you know, these things, and you kind of went against whatever the norm was for against you. Against the grain. Against the grain. You spoke up. You are comfortable, you have this level of confidence. So what advice would you give someone who is afraid to take that leap of faith? I would say go inward. Um, write it down. 
Go inward. Ask yourself, what am I afraid of? Write it down. And just keep doing that until you're no longer afraid of it. Because it's mm. like you're going to have to dig really, really deep to understand what's holding you back. I actually have this conversation quite often with my husband. Mm. And I find what's really interesting is that we have this kind of cultural uh, stereotype about men being so brave. Mm -hmm. I believe the opposite. Mm -hmm. I believe that a lot of men are really afraid of a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and they get to hide behind the armor of money and, you know, power, whatever. Um, but I have this conversation a lot with my husband. I'm always like, what is it that you are afraid of, right? And we talk mm -hmm. about our fears, and I'm obviously way more forthcoming mm -hmm. <laughs> than he is. Yeah. But I think it's really important for us to ask ourselves, name them, mm -hmm. So that we can push through them. You have to walk through what's holding you back or else you're never going to get out of it. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say that. And then also just remember that like your your path is, I really believe, kind of laid out for you if mm -hmm. you can function from that mindset. So if you truly believe that like you, you got something, then you've got something. Mm -hmm. So just go for it, right? And find your community that's going to be there to support you. And it's not always and it mostly is not your friends or your family. Yeah. I could definitely agree with that. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that's really beautiful, I think, about mm -hmm. the age that we're in with social media. There's a lot of challenges about social media, but there's this ability to connect with people that want the same things as you. Yeah. Um, and so it's really important to have that support system and be able to to cheer each other on. But yeah, like you got to face your internal fears. Yeah. And it's li likely rooted in your childhood, so maybe go to therapy. For too. sure. Let me let me <laughs> let me tell you something before we move on to our rapid fire questions, but I recently had a dream. I want to just add to that. I recently had a dream where I was like in this uh forest like yeah. environment. Um and I there was a guy next to me. Don't know the guy. He doesn't look familiar in my dream. Never knew him in my life. So this guy's just like walking. We're walking up rocks. We're walking up rocks. Mm -hmm. And we get to like the top of the rock. And there's like a beautiful pool. And there's a couple people that I know down in the pool. And the guy's like, all right, you got to jump. And I was like, I can't. And like my feet were hanging. They were hanging off the rock. Like if the wind would have blown a little yeah. too hard, yeah. I definitely would have fell in. And he's like, you got to jump. And everybody in the pool is like, just jump, jump. And I spoke about this in therapy because I, I told my therapist, I'm like, I don't even know what this means. Um, yeah. And everybody's like, just jump, jump. And I'm like, I can't. I'm scared. And I was mm -hmm. like, I'm scared. I can't jump. Yeah. And I'm like, I want to go back. And he's like, there's no going back. You have to jump. You're here. And I'm like, I can't. Anyway, I woke up. You never jumped. I never jumped. You can't get back into the dream, right? I ask God, God, please. Every single night I go to bed. You're go not to bed, ready. I'm like, God, if you give me that dream, I'm going to jump. So I go to my therapy session. I'm speaking to my therapist about this. She's like, what do you think it means? So now I have this theme in my life where things come my way. I'm like, just jump off the cliff. Just jump off the cliff. You need to have a year of so, yes. You yes, know that book by I Shonda Rhimes? Of course. I love that book. Yeah. So I actually have a list. I have a list and I wrote down 
everything that scares me. And every day I tackle one one thing a day that scares me. Good for you. That's what I do. So I just wanted to leave everybody with that just because I, you know. Fear is, you know, on the other side of excitement and and success and all that stuff. It's like my They're sis- like right next to each other. My sister growing up, she was always like the daredevil and she would go on all these roller coaster rides. She became a mom and like doesn't go on roller coasters anymore. I'm like <laughs> postpartum anxiety. Real. Yes. <laughs> but um I want to, so anyway, I just wanted to leave everybody with that. Um I wanted to go into the rapid fire. Okay. With you. Okay. Oh, ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> Tell me you're Latina without telling me you're Latina. Me tienen tumbao. Good one. Um, what is something you would want to work on that you haven't already? Oh gosh, um, like my like emotionally or fit, or like a Could project. Be anything. Could be anything. I really want to write a screenplay. <sighs> I see that for you. I've been trying. I, I can't really, get the words out. It's, it'll come it's out. It's a nightmare. It'll come out. Yeah, it's um, a nightmare. <laughs> if you had an opportunity to have the Last Supper with three Latinas, <gasps> oh shit, okay. dead or alive, who would they be? Oh my god! All right, Tatiana Ali, because I <gasps> love me some Ashley Banks. Yes, Celia Cruz. Everyone says Celia. It's so cr- everybody <laughs> says Celia. Yes, we gonna party. <laughs> yes. Tatiana Lee's, uh Celia Cruz, and ah, oh, it's such a toss-up. It's a toss-up. I always want to say Frida, but I feel like she might be a downer. <laughs> <laughs> like, I feel like she'd be, like, bad. Um, I think Salma Hayek. Ooh. I think she would bring a nice, like, flavor, yeah, yeah. you know, to, yeah. the, to the room. I got my my... Panamanian, I got my Cuban, I got my Mexican vibes. We're gonna. That's a good table. That's a good table. I'm not mad at that table. Um, What is this chapter of your life called? Freedom. Mm, Yeah. Um, And lastly, finish this sentence. Growing up Latina is. Oh, gosh. Growing up Latina. Is turning water into wine. Literally. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, literally. (laughs) Thank you so much, Soyla, for coming on the show. I appreciate your wisdom because really, you really truly have wisdom. I appreciate this conversation. And please, please, please just let everybody know where they can find you, follow you because you have amazing things coming up. Yes. Well, thank you, Ali. It was such a pleasure to be here to see you again in like another lifetime, it feels like. And you guys can follow me on Instagram at my full name. It's a lot of children. Just warning you now. <laughs> Zoila Darton, my agency, word.agency. And then we have our new brand, Pumas, a lifestyle brand for busy brains. And that is at pew.moss, P-U-M-O-S. I, oh wait, P-I-U, sorry, my brain, P-I-U dot M-A-S and P-I-U dash M-A-S dot com for the website. Yes. Thanks, Ali.